Hello and welcome to the post-match phone in here on Latte Firm. First of all, ladies and gents, boys and girls, my sincerest apologies for overrunning and for being late. A uh, slight family sort of incident meltdown between the daughter and the mother, and I had to intervene. Um, thank you for joining, though. I really appreciate it. A bad day at the office for Arsenal, uh, who have lost at Villa Park by a goal to nil. Uncle Unai inflicting damage on his former club. Aston Villa have now moved into third place, two points off the league leaders. Liverpool, who of course went to Crystal Palace and won, which further compounds the frustration and the disappointment. Welcome to the post-match phone-in. Oh, there's so much to talk about. My Twitter is just ping, 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 ping. My personal stance... I think it's all our fault. We should have taken our chances. We were wasteful in the final third and we only have ourselves to blame. Uh, but let's get your thoughts. If you want to have your say, request the mic, come and tell me what you thought went wrong today. Uh, was it the lineup? Was it the approach? Was it Mikel Arteta not in the dugout? Did that have an impact? Or are people going to blame VAR and officiating and the referees and all that sort of stuff for us losing today? Come and request the mic. Come and have your say. And if you're too shy to request the mic, please do tweet at Latte Firm. You can get your messages in. I will read them out as we go through the show. Let me introduce in Wayne as our co-host tonight. Wayne, welcome to the show. I wish, my friend, we were going to talk under more positive circumstances. Although, I've got a feeling a part of you will be happy because you love Uncle Luna. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, never against my own team, man. Never against my own team. I'm just, I'm sad it had to be a relative FK. But um, good evening, good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining FK. First of all, I'm glad you're alive. I had to phone you to make sure that you didn't end it all because um, Uncle Unai upset you that much. <laughs> yeah, listen. I, it, it, to be honest, it was such a heated moment between my wife and my daughter. I just completely forgot about the phone in and. Then it occurred to me that I was so late and I was just getting vexed. And I thought to myself, people are just going to say that I've chickened out of it because Emery has beaten Arsenal tonight. But no, um, it is frustrating. It is hugely uh, gutting that we've lost to Villa, who have been in magnificent form this season. Make no mistake, 15 home wins on the bounce is impressive. They disposed of Manchester City so easily in the week, so comprehensively. You know, the writing was on the wall. Arsenal should have taken it seriously. And Villa flew out of the blocks, Wayne. You know, the first 10, 12 minutes, I thought, you know, if we could ride the waves and just get into our play and into our rhythm, maybe we'd take the game to them. But they flew out the blocks. They they won every loose ball. They were pressing us. They were suffocating us. They just didn't allow us to breathe. And, of course, the game, the goal came and Villa Park was bouncing. But the, the frustrating thing for me, Wayne, is that after we'd conceded, we really grew into the game and we I thought we took control of it and we created so many openings and we just were so wasteful in the final third. You know, misplaced passes, couldn't hit the target as often as we would have liked, didn't really test Martinez as much as we should have and Villa frustrated us with that high line. What was your immediate, well, not immediate because it's, it's been a couple of hours because of the delay, but how did you feel at the full-time whistle? Um... You just chalk it down as one of those days, really. Like, it is what it is. We're not going to win every game. Um, you'd like to win every game. And this this is definitely one of the ones that we should have won. Um, I thought we were the better side. I thought we created the better chances. And I think after Aston Villa scored, they didn't, they didn't even try to really come forward, first of all. And I think <laughs> if you think back to, to that goal, it was like a... It was, I guess... 
just a little highlight of what was going to happen for the whole game because Saka had an opportunity really that maybe you could say we should do better and Saka should score or get and do a little bit better with it. We should do a little bit better with it, and then straight from that we go down. They go down the other end and score, and it was just it's just one of those days really. And I think that I think that we just have to chalk it down to that. I, Villa have won fifteen games in a row at home, dating back to last season. It's a fantastic record. I think they're the best team at home in the league this season. But no one's done to them what we've done to them this evening, which I guess is a small positive. Kai Havertz, I thought, was fantastic. That's another small positive. I'm sure a lot of people will be disappointed with VAR, disappointed with some of the refereeing decisions. For me, I can't really care about that when we're so wasteful in front of goal, FK. Like you said, it was so sloppy, some of the final third passes, and then... When we did create opportunities, Erdegaard's had two fantastic ones go to waste. Martinelli should do better on a couple of occasions. Jesus should do better on a couple of occasions. Um, maybe we're talking about a different story. But yeah, I'm, I, I think my biggest takeaway is that we, we gave Villa a very good game. We were the better side and you know, we can't win them all. See, for me, I don't think it was uh, one of those days. I just think we we controlled the game after after we uh, let in the, the opening goal within the first few minutes, and we were just terrible in front of goal today. You know, they played the high line. We got in behind a couple of times. Saka obviously netting disallowed. Martinelli broke through and tried to sort of chip Martinez, but the rest of the team didn't sort of adapt just to kind of play the loose ball. And we were wasteful. Jesus with a couple of chances. Ah, Martin Odegaard, you know, two, three really good openings in front of the box. And, you know, when you're playing an informed team at this level, when the pressure's on and the margins are so tight, you've got to take your chances. I think Mikel Arteta is going to be massively disappointed with that. I think the team are going to be gutted about it. And, you know, Arsenal fans should be annoyed by the finishing today. And, you know, to further compound things, look, Eddie and Ketia comes off the bench. You may as well turn the TV off because nothing's going to happen. And, you know, we needed more than Eddie. We needed more than maybe Trossard coming in on the left-hand side and just didn't have it on the bench today. So, yeah, there we are. Look, it's a harsh lesson. Um, and Villa have, have won, of course, John McGinn's goal after seven-ish minutes. It was a nice work goal. Uh, I know Sinchenko is taking a lot of uh, criticism, Wayne. But, um, you know, Villa played some really nice, intricate football quite high up there, right-hand side, uh, on our left-hand side, of course. One-two touch passing. Bailey broke through, cut it back to McGinn, who intelligently stopped um, just outside the six-yard box while our defenders ran past. And he took that one touch, turned and finished. And... Yeah, it was a start that we just did, we just didn't want. But like you say, we had so many efforts, we had so much possession, we had so much, so much opportunity to really um, score today, and we've just been wasteful in front of goal. But there we are. Um, Wayne, just before we go to our first caller, Wally, who will be driving back from Villa Park, I'm sure. The lineup was um, one change from the from the week in Luton. Oh, it's such a big come down, isn't it? Luton was so euphoric and. I just feel so dejected today talking like it's amazing how football just plays with your emotions. But Sinchenko came in. He's taken a lot of stick tonight again on social media. The goal conceded from our left-hand side. What did you make of that? It's just a typical Zinchenko performance, really. Tidy on the ball, awful defensively. And for me, I think we've, we've seen a lot recently. We've kind of outgrown players as a squad and we've moved on from players. We saw it with Tierney. Um, we're somewhat seeing it with Ramsdale. I think we've we've seen it with Emil Smith Rowe. And look, Arsenal fans are romantics. They want to love players. They want players to succeed. But 
there's difficult choices that the club and and coaching staff are going to have to make. And Zinchenko, it's time for for that 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 decision to to be made because I don't think if you look at our squad defensively, he's the worst of anyone that can play at left back when Timber's fully fit. Timber's better there. Tommy Yasu, when he's fully fit, is better there. Kivior defensively is better there. The others may not necessarily be as good on the ball as Zinchenko, but is it worth the risk anymore when you've got tidy players on the ball throughout? Yeah, but Wayne, the the they, 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 you know, they, they played through us quite high up, um, as in you know near the sort of halfway line, and the ball went in behind. Bailey was through. I mean, Kivior's not catching Bailey. No, Tommy but Kiv- I don't. Think Bailey. Zinchenko before, obviously before, didn't catch him before Bailey's through. Tom Yasu, uh, Tom Yasu, uh, Zinchenko's gone in to try and win the ball. He gets spun. He goes in to try and win the ball again. And that's why Bailey's through. He misses out on two or three opportunities to either foul or not get so tight that he's out of the play. He's not physically fast enough to catch Bailey. Just be a little bit smarter. He's not a rookie. He knows he should know his opponent. He should know space in behind. He should know what is potentially going to go wrong. He just followed the ball before Bailey was even through. The reason Bailey had so much space is because Zinchenko's tried to be smart and nick the ball and he's not got it either time. And Kivior wouldn't do that. Yeah, Kivior isn't catching Bailey, but I don't think he gets caught out. And if you look at all of the, I guess, if you want to call them, or the majority of legitimate goals we've conceded this season, there's no surprise. A lot of them come down our left-hand side. And I just think that it's all well and good you being fantastic on the ball, but he's a liability defensively. And I think... Yes, he had to he had to play today because Tom Yasu is not fit. But if Tom Yasu was fit, Zinchenko wouldn't be playing. And I think that that's that's kind of where he stands at the minute. He's all well and good playing at home against Burnley and Sheffield United. And I'm sure if Aston Villa come to to the Emirates, Zinchenko will be brilliant for that game as well. Especially if they try to play a high line. But um, yeah, he's just he's just a liability, and I'm not sure any away game really. I'm dreading Anfield already if he's going to play. <sighs> Yeah, tough, tough game. Well, it's high risk, high reward from Mikel, and today it didn't pay off. So, look, come and request the mic. Come and have your say. Come and let us know what you think. Uh, Sinchenko, should he be in the team? Um, were we good enough to get the win today? Thoughts on VAR? We'll tackle that in just a moment. But let's welcome our first caller onto tonight's show, and that's going to be Wally, who is probably driving home from Villa Park. Wally, welcome to the show. How are you feeling first up? Hi, FK. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're, you're, you're downbeat. You're a bit flat after today's game. Uh, I'm feeling calm, to be honest, um, because I mean, in general, uh, today's game effectively backed up things that we already knew, which is that the only way you can beat Arsenal is that you have to hope a sequence of decisions from the officials go against us. Right. Okay. Or we shoot ourselves on the foot. I don't see any major underlying issues. Um, the num the numbers are underlying numbers are good. Uh, XG was good. Um, but obviously, you know, a few players let us down, both in in the attacking and defensive areas today. Uh, but you know what? It's as Wayne said. You're not you're not going to win every game. You know, sometimes you lose games, and today we lost a game. You said after the game, Wally, on Twitter that you've kind of singled out Sinchenko and Raya. Explain why. So, I mean, uh, I don't know where to start, really. Uh, if, we, if we start with Zinchenko, um, we've been talking about this all season at the Emirates, right? Okay, and every time we tend to concede goals, as Wayne said, 
right? It always this season, I'm I'm I could confidently say about eighty percent to ninety percent of them have always come from something going on on the left hand side when Zinchenko's playing, right? Defensive awareness is not there. Uh, we already knew that from last season. Now, what we saw last season was that he would get the ball and then he would carry the ball into that midfield area to give us an extra body. We've slightly changed this year, right? Okay, so what happens is that he tends to move into the midfield area off the ball from our goal kicks, right? Okay, now that leaves a gap. So if we do lose the ball, right, we got problems. Um, and then it comes to the next part of my problem, which is with Raya today. And a lot of people have been, you know, sending me dogs abuse. Oh, what did he do wrong? What did he do wrong? Now, me and you both know, right, okay, generally when you're at the stadium, you only get a certain view of the game, right, okay? And overall, people that watch on TV get a better view of the game. However, what you don't see when you're, at, when you're watching from TV is the stuff that goes on off the ball, um, the bit where the camera's not there. And several times today, Gabriel just berated Raya, right, okay, for not being where he should be, be, where he should be going, or where he wants him to be. So, Gabriel has several times had to cover Zinchenko's um, uh, lack of availability, right, okay, on that left-hand side. He's had to clean up for him quite a few times. But what he's kept telling Raya was that he had to push up more. But Raya was very, very much in his own box, as if he was a little bit afraid to get out. And that looked like it made the defence quite nervous, right, because they... They, they certainly looked at me. Obviously, you probably remember, I think some was in the first half that um, Saliba kind of just played a ball across and it just mm. went nowhere and out for a corner. Um, these things started happening. And what would happen is that you've got then a situation where Gabriel's having to chase back, right? Okay, cover that left-hand side and Raya's giving him nothing. Um, and then on top of that, what you had was if Gabriel's going up to win the, the headers from their goal kicks, Saliba's had to come around the left-hand side. Right, which then leaves another gap on the other side. And, you know, it's, it's a collection of things. And if I'm honest, a lot of these things you don't get to see on TV, right? Okay. But you do get to see when you're at the ground, it's happening dead in front of you. And, you know, it did make the defence more nervous. And I, I don't know where we go from here with David Raya. I know he's being selected because he's much better on the long balls than Ramsdale is. I don't think that's the debate, right? But, you know, there's all the other aspects to the game, which uh, it, it leaves a question mark over. Well, Wally, listen. I, I, I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm personally. I'm not going to um, suggest that we we lost today because of David Ryan. I know you're not doing that either. For me, this this debate is going to rumble on and on and on because any mistake, any goal we concede, we've got two top keepers. It's a. It's an unnecessary problem that Mikel has created on his own, and it's just going to rumble on and on. But are you perhaps being a bit too over? sort of analysing or overcritical on the team because on a different day we score three or four today genuinely we score you know no, we're comfortable you're, today and, and, and you're, you're we're not talking about right. any of these things if, if I'm on listen you're absolutely right right by by the end of that first half we should have been at least 2-1 3-1 ahead maybe right now the, the the problem is that we didn't have the levels of fitness because of that game on Tuesday right we expended a lot of energy, right? Mm. You went some hundred minutes in that game, right? Okay. Unnecessarily, again, because we should have won that 4-1 had it not been for um, the mistakes that, uh, that, that that we created on ourselves, right? Okay. But realistically speaking, we should have been comfortably three or four up on Tuesday, taken a few players off and rested them. Saka didn't look himself today. And when he doesn't look himself, he tends to do things 
which are only within his comfort zone. So he kept on getting that ball and trying to cut in on that left-hand side shoe, and it, 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 it wasn't working. I don't think Villa were that good. I mean, I was just listening to the radio just now, right, okay, and all the media commentators are like, oh, you have to give Villa full credit. I'm like, but for what exactly? Because they didn't actually play that well, right? Okay, we tore into them several times, um, and they they didn't actually have any answers. They only survived because our finishing was so, so poor. And yeah, you know, as I said at the start of the call, we have to question why our attackers didn't kill the game off. But you know what? Again, as I said, you lose games sometimes, and today we lost the game. We did indeed. Listen, Wally, have a safe journey home, my friends. Uh, enjoy the trip back. And uh, keep it on Latte Firm. Uh, it's the only place you can get these post-match phone-ins on a match day. Gosh, it's not much fun, is it, Wayne? Uh, we haven't ripped into the VAR decisions, but can I bring you in on that chat? I mean, look, while he's reflecting to say, look, on another day, we win that game. It is what it is. But fine margins in this league, my friend. And after we saw what Villa did to City, yeah, you can't force the clinicalness. You can't force that killer instinct. But to be so wasteful with so many chances, it's going to cost you. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think that's why some people are probably going to be a little bit more annoyed with the referee, because I think we should have had a stonewall penalty. And if you get that penalty, it's probably a different game. But yeah, we had so many chances to score. The, the two Erdegaard ones, I was so dis- I was disappointed with the first one, because mm. he made it really obvious where he was going to go. And I think it's smart goalkeeping from Emmy Martinez to, to read it, but Erdegaard should be better than that just putting it straight out. The second one, I don't I don't know what he's I don't really know what he's thinking. It's a brilliant it's a brilliant run and uh, oh, he just scuffed it, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just so disappointing. But we had a lot of opportunities to do something better in and around the box. And I don't know if it was tired legs because look, I agree with with Wally there. I think Saka looked shot. He wasn't the only one, but Villa Villa players, until they started making subs, I think Una Emery broke up the game very, very well with his substitutions. And they introduced some really fresh legs, which really helped them. But until the subs, they were looking tired as well. We just didn't capitalise. But yeah, we've had these games in the past, not really under Mikel Arteta. They were like a staple of Wenger games. Like we would have eight, nine shots on target, clear, clear-cut goals that should be going in. And it, the game ends 1-0 to Stoke or whoever we're playing. And it, I think it's just going to happen until we know... For, for whatever reason, we've got whatever attack attackers that are guaranteed goals. These kind of games are going to happen and, and you're going to leave disappointed. But I think overall, we played well enough to get a result. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for that, for that Wayne. Before we go to Jay, our next caller, let's just read through some of the tweets. Uh, I've taken a lot of pelters tonight for not starting on time again. Once again, my sincerest apologies. Uh, Roy, who is at Louvre No Limit 123, love, sorry, Love No Limit, he just spelt it differently, says, did we not score? Can someone answer me this? Uh, Timber Tuna, great name that is, at Timber Tuna, as in the fish, says, at Latte Firm, disaster. Oh, dear. Uh, Jax Teller, who's at Jax Teller 7777, says, at Latte Firm, bad day at the office. Need to take our chances. Zinni is not a defender. His cons outweigh his pros. We so need Timber back before the second half of the season. Gosh, that's a, that's a strong take on Zinni, and I don't think Timber's going to be back anytime soon. Uh, Luke, with the humour, we couldn't score if we were in a brothel tonight. That's uh, from Luke, who is at Arsenal Luke 
84. Um, Jack Stella coming back in saying at Wally once uh, he hit the nail on the head. The goals coming from the left-hand side, Zinchenko again. And Johnny Wonderling, who joined us for the first time on the phone last show, said at Latte Phone, we were poor today, but I've got to say again that once again we've been let down by even poorer officials. The only thing that keeps me coming back to watch the Premier League is my love for Arsenal. Otherwise, I'd bail. It's farcical. Jay, welcome to the show. What would you like to say? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to sound like a rant here, um, FK, but I just feel like we're being set up to fail. Um, the reason being I'm saying that is, like, it's almost like we've been demanded that we've got to be absolutely perfect in every single game to win our games, okay? I see the likes of City, I see the likes of Liverpool that have off games that aren't at it, aren't doing as much as us but I'll throw on a lifeline with a dodgy penalty or a dodgy decision and we're not getting anything our way. Um, when we talk about the decisions, mm. Jay, talk me about your frustration with any decisions today. Are you referring to the, the, the challenge on Jesus and, of course, the handball at the end? The, the, the handball, at, well, the, the Jesus one is, it, the same thing happens in the Liverpool and Palace game. Exactly the same incident. We don't get ours given, okay? The the Havertz goal, the referee can't, and I mean he can't see. He can't. He can't 100% give an on-field decision because he can't see it clearly, and the referee knows that. And um, Bar um, goes with the on on decision, the 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 on referee decision. But when you look at the replay, Matty Cash handballs the ball first and that doesn't get looked at at all and then even later in the game and Katia he gets elbowed in the in the head clear as day the referee doesn't even look at it he's not in, he's not even looking at it so how does he know to give a yellow card and um you know Val wouldn't advise to give a booking because they don't do yellows they can't get involved in yellow cards so um I just feel like we—I don't know—we just got set up to fail, you know. But looking at the game, though, we had our chances. They played a ridiculously high line. We could see it playing as there, but the execution wasn't there today, and that is on ourselves. But um, I'll just look around the league, and City and Liverpool get those calls, and we don't, and so we need to be perfect. And I—I I, I don't think that's realistic. I appreciate that, Jay. Wayne, can I bring you in on, on Jay's excellent comments there about the officiating? Um, do you think we're being penalised because of everything that's happened in recent weeks? I mean, but before you answer that, the handball today, by the letter of the law, if the attacking player uh, has made contact with the ball, but intentionally or not, and it's changed the direction of the ball as marginally as it was, it is handball and it was the right decision. The kick on Jesus... Uh, through the calf, the follow-through. Look, some days you get them, some days you don't. We had a penalty against Liverpool, I think, uh, last season, was it? Um, when the Liverpool defender sort of kicked Jesus through the ball um, and we got it. And so some days you're going to get them, some days you're not. For me, I think if Arsenal fans, and I'm not suggesting that Jay and Molly have done this, but if Arsenal fans are going to say, oh, it's about decisions, it didn't go our way, da 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 that's fine, but it's really papering over the cracks today. And the cracks are basically that we were just so wasteful in front of goal. What do you want to say about the decisions, Wayne? Yeah, I agree with you. I think I don't think today is one... Of, like, against Brentford last season, 
we could 100% blame the officials for that because it was blatantly there for. I think today, it's not, you can't, you want the officials to do better, but they're not shooting for us. They're not getting the shots off target. They're not the ones that are not creating the chances. They're not the ones that are sloppy in the final third. The, the one thing I'll say, and it's not just for Arsenal fans, I think that, that both Wally and Jay are correct. I think, yes, there's an expectation, not on us to be perfect, but we know that if we're not perfect, we're not going to get a 50... I don't remember the last sort of 50-50 call that we got or like slightly controversial penalty or slightly controversial red card in sort of our favour that, that we've got. But when you think back to like Selhurst Park, Tommy Asu got sent off for nothing. And then when you think about the two fouls by Martinelli, was it against uh, Wolves a couple of seasons ago? We've never seen anything like that. Again, we always get controversial ones against us. And I'm sure every fan base feels that way. But for me, my problem is, look, I don't care whether it's Arsenal, Aston Villa or Luton, these referees are just crap. And until, I guess, every fan base kind of appreciates that these these fans, sorry, these referees are rubbish, then... I expect, I don't expect them... To, if, if a referee has a good game, I'm surprised. Like, if, if a referee has a genuinely good game, I'm shocked. I always expect the worst from them because they're just rubbish. Again, uh, I appreciate your input. I, I know exactly what you're saying. But for me, uh, it's not about the refs today. I think I'll finish him with rubbish. Uh, Mushy P has been reacting with the emojis and waiting so patiently. Welcome to the show, my friend. What would you like to say? Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I, I think what Wayne said at the start about referees, is, sorry, just now is, is 100% correct. But also what he said at the start of the space, which is about Zinchenko, I mean, how long are we going to rely on this left-back who is not a left-back? He let in that Wolves He let in that Wolves goal mistake that led to a goal. I mean, maybe he's a bit unlucky that his mistakes lead to a goal, but the Wolves game, with 2-0 up, cruising, tries to play out, tries to be smart, loses possession, and Wolves score. We saw against Fulham, they equalised 2-2. And then we saw again tonight, he was completely out of position uh, for their goal. But also, I have to say that Ben White should have been tighter on McGinn as well. So I think both our full-backs today let us down. But it's Zinchenko continuously letting us down and his mistakes are leading to goals. However, I think both our centre-halves in Gabriel and Saliba again. Saliba against, I mean, I didn't really see much of Watkins today. Saliba had him brilliantly today um, and again like like you say fk odegaard saka jesus all of them had the chances i just want to say in the first half odegaard's chance on the left foot and he just kind of tried to ping it in the corner i don't understand why jesus is a striker why didn't he just take that first time on his left foot and then okay if he's going to take a touch to set up odegaard he set odegaard up on his right foot which is which we all know is his weak foot anyway so for me, you're right. The, the referee, you, you paper over the cracks, even though there was obvious errors from the referee, especially the elbow to Enketia. But I think defensively, our fullbacks weren't good enough. And going forward, we just couldn't score today. And the finishing was really, really poor. It, it was. Uh, listen, I, I want to get your thoughts on where it kind of leaves us, uh, Mushy, because people are going to talk about it. You know, we were top of the league and now Liverpool have overtaken us and, you know, the, the sort of bottling and all that sort of stuff's going to come out. And it's still early, 16 games in. I mean, are you still confident of a title charge? Do you think we can still do it this year? I mean, City are in fourth place, but Liverpool seem to be a bit of a problem. 
Yeah, they Liverpool have been playing brilliantly. I think uh, Klopp has rejuvenated that midfield, especially because the rest of the, I mean, the attack's pretty much the same. Obviously, Fabinho's left, and the the, the back four, Trent Alexander Arnold is going is back on form as well, especially going forward. Uh, it's too early to say. I think we have to look at where we are going to be on the first of Jan, maybe after the Liverpool FA Cup game, see where the league lies then, because right now the games are coming thick and fast. But I will say is please, for the love of God, Mikel, do not take any of the top players to PSV. We won the group. We're through. I mean, we saw what happened last season, FK, when we played Tommy Asset and we played Saliba against Sporting Lisbon at home. We lost that game and we lost two of our top defenders. And from then it was a downward spiral and we lost the league. So I beg you, Mikel, please just take the kids to PSV Eindhoven. I really appreciate that. Uh, Marciano Mikel listens in uh, to Latte Firm Weekly. So Mikel... I echo that. But you just know that Bukayo Saka is going to start against PSV. Uh, let's go to Olomuyiwa. Welcome back to the firm, my friend. Uh, I suspect you're not a very happy <laughs> Hello, Ashke. Can you hear me clearly? We can hear you loud and clearly, my friend. The floor is yours. What would you like oh, to say? Oh, yeah. You know what? So I don't go off on a tangent. I've actually documented my points today. So, like, I've got, I've got it written down in three points. I've, and then I'll just build up on them one by one. Uh, so my first point is... Today, so I, I echo a lot of things people have said in terms of, um, you know, how, how much will we rely on Zinchenko to dictate games for us when we could have bought an actual midfielder in, in the summer who would, you know, who, who would remove the, the, rely, the over-reliance, I'd say, on, on Zinchenko and then we can play, you know, an out-and-out fullback or even maybe Kivio, who's another centre-back, in there but still be able to dictate games. But that's, that's by the by. Our first point today is I thought our forwards were not hard-working enough. Now, when I say this, a lot of people make it to seem as though I'm saying they didn't track back, whatever, whatever. I know they, they're fine. That's that's on lock. That's, that our forwards, they've got an IQ, so they know when to help the defence. What I mean today was they saw a different game from what they would, a, a different type of opposition from what they would normally see in prem, in the Premier League. So usually... We play deep blocks every 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 weekend, didn't it? And today they saw a team that was in a deep block, and every time we tried to build up the play, they tried to make it as though we were playing against the deep block. Meanwhile, we were not playing against the deep block. So I thought the lazy aspect of it was that they tried to stay on the last line too too much and didn't want to run enough. So if you remember the game. Chelsea versus Spurs, where, where Spurs went down to nine and still kept that high line. Why a lot of people said, Oh, Chelsea were being stupid because they were they were getting caught offside every time. But once they started timing the runs from deep, it, it, it meant they ran for longer. So you so basically putting my coach in heart on now, when you when you're playing against an offside trap, all you have to do is run start sprinting five yards deeper than you normally would. So obviously you're sprinting for, for a longer time, which would make you a lot more breathless, but that way you, you, you don't get caught offside. So I thought our forwards today did not do that enough. There wasn't enough rotations mm -hmm. in that regard. My second point is this squad, I think it, it lacks elite top end pace. Um, so our wingers and our forward, they're good for what we face.
every every um, every weekend. So you see Saka, he's able to swing in that back post cross with score. You see Jesus able to drop deep, link the play. Martinelli is a good like he he scores goals as well. But I think for an elite team, we just lack that top end pace that hurts sides. If you think about the current Bayern Munich side, you're looking at Leroy Zane, Serge Gnabry, uh, Kingsley Coleman. Just yeah, but Olamuyima, who, who, who's rapid at City? Jeremy Doku's who's quick, but Foden, Grealish, uh, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Haaland, none of these guys are like... Haaland, Haaland's pace. incredibly rapid. Yeah, okay. so okay. They, they have that top-end pace that can hurt Highland. So that's my second point. My third, okay. my third and last point is why there's why there always seems like there's a meltdown. Because I know you'd ask me, so where does this leave us, right? Why there's why it always feels like there's a meltdown after a loss is because we know that City and Pep. I personally think Pep is the best coach in the league, right? And I think City are the best team in the league. So you just feel as though at some point, they're going to kick on. And if you want to win the league, like Liverpool did in 2020, you need a big gap before City kick on December to February when Mm. they're going to win 18 games in a row or whatever they're going to do. That's kind of why I feel like there's, there's a meltdown. Olumuiwa, uh, I really appreciate your heartfelt account there, Wayne. Uh, some really excellent points. Do you, do you, do you buy the, the the whole pace thing? I mean, Saka's rapid, Martinelli's rapid, uh, Jesus can be quick. Um, I think your daughter's got something to add to the conversation there. But um, if it's a bad time, I can keep talking. But yeah, I mean, oh, it's yeah. All right. it's all right. where, where, where does that leave you in the sort of pace thing? You know, obviously saying you know we need we need you know desperate pace up top. Um. I can see what I can see what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with it, and I don't think it was necessarily an issue on on this occasion. I think the issue on this occasion for me was more about like our timing and our choice of pass. Like there was a few times in that first half that there was an opportunity for Zinchenko or Ben White or Declan Rice to play the ball over the top, and I think for the goal that Saka had disallowed in the second half, that was a perfect opportunity to do it, but it just was a second late. And then we saw Zinchenko do it a few times to Martinelli. And then for some reason, Martinelli was just kind of floating balls towards the back post for Saka against sort of six-foot giants that he's never going to win. And I just don't quite understand why. And then I think it was just, I think it was just a choice of pass and execution not less so pace because I think Martinelli and, and Saka were able to get in behind the high line. I just don't think we moved the ball sort of quick enough and we weren't direct enough throughout the whole game. But the times we did do it, we created those half chances. Like the the ball from um I think it might have been Zinchenko into Havertz when Havertz then cut it back to Erdogan. We should have been doing more of that throughout the whole game. And I just think that that momentum that we created and those chances we created with Martinelli, um, the, when he got subbed off and we brought on Trossard, that momentum was just killed. And I feel like the right move might have been Trossard for Jesus and keep Martinelli on to stretch the play or maybe even bring on Reese Nelson. That, for me, was a little bit disappointing. I agree with you with that last point, actually. I think the Trossard substitution wasn't the right one uh, because Trossard's not a runner. Martinelli is. Um but then how do you take Jesus off at that moment? And then Jesus, of course, was taken off to uh, to be replaced by Eddie, which obviously doesn't do us any favours. Um, we're going to go to our next caller, who will be uh, Lego Head. 
chat from uh, last time. But before we do that, let's hear from the gaffer. This is what Mikel Arteta had to say to the BBC after today's game. Well, Mikel, I, I imagine you have a few frustrations after that. What would be your, your chief cause for complaint today? The result, uh, because I'm really proud of the way the team played in this stadium against this team. I think we, we deserve to win the game. Certainly not to lose it. But in order to do that, you have to be better in, in the boxes and, and set down things have to go your way as well. Just the failure to put the ball in the net then, is that the main the main thing that wasn't right today? One of the main things, yes. What else did you see that you would want improving? Well, especially in the second half, there are 20 minutes that we lost a little bit of control. We gave the ball, we wanted to attack too, too fast because you are tempted to put the ball in behind the way they, they defend with the line. But um, we could have done a bit better, but we still generated enough to, to get much more from the game. Do you have any frustrations with decisions against you, or is, is that not something that you'd comment on at the moment? It's clear and obvious for me. Yeah. In what way? Just you should have had something and didn't. I leave it to your interpretation. That's fine. Villa are in the title race now, aren't they? This is this is boiling up to be what a four-way race now. Yes, they are there, you know, and with the home record that they have, um, they fully deserve to be where they are because when you win that many amount of games at home, the way they've done it, uh, they deserve the credit. It's a rare experience to be on the losing side for your team this season. Will the players need lifting or are they okay with I that sort of thing? I just put your head up because the way you played, I see many, many teams come here and, and I haven't seen my team do what we have to done to them today. But the result is, is not there, but certainly the way we played, um, it was there. Two things there, uh, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Mikel saying that we did enough, we did, we did more than enough to get something from today's game. And to reinforce Wally's point, the first caller on tonight's show saying that the underlying metrics will suggest that what we've done to Villa today, not many teams have done. And I know we've lost, but, you know, you'd rather a team played well and the underlying metrics were were, were more favourable than, you know, than not playing well. And, uh, and and the stats and, and results sort of going against you, uh, you'd, want, you'd want that consistency the other way around. So really interesting to hear Mikel speak, courtesy of the BBC. Right, our next caller is going to be uh, at Real, Real Dante Pop, the Lego head fraud apologist. Welcome to the show. What would you like to say? Uh, hi, thanks again for having me on. Um, I personally, I, I want to agree with Wayne's point about the, the sub, the Trossard sub, as well as like the the balls through that we just weren't playing or we, we, I mean, clearly Ashton Villa set up with that, that off, that offside strap, but that ball through was on. And I felt like really it was just Zinchenko, Declan Rice, not playing it when it like early enough. Um, so I definitely agree with that point. Um, second thing I wanted to say, I think I'm going to have to change my name to Zinchenko apologist because I, I don't really see him at fault for that goal. Uh, I mean, I, I, he goes, he presses the... I'm with you, by the way. I'm with you. I, I, I personally don't blame today's goal on Zinni. Uh, I, I know Wayne sort of tried to explain that he was out of position, but I think they were quite high up the pitch and I don't think any of our players would, would catch Bailey in that, in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think in that position, he should, you know, after, the, after that back pass, he should go press that. And then Gabriel's job is to slide over and cover him when he goes up. I think that Gabrielle maybe should do a better job of, of defending that cross. I think Ben White needs to do a better job on McGinn. And also, I saw Declan Rice, he comes charging over to stop um, stop that cross from Liam Bailey. And if he just sits in that space in the middle, he that ball goes right to him and he clears it. So I think Declan Rice overcommits. I mean, I think it's like a series of 
small errors and it leads to a goal and it's it's definitely like the the cauldron atmosphere of Villa that I think gets to us. Um, but I think the story of the game is finishing. You know, like Odegaard, Odegaard should have had at least one goal between those two chances he had. And I mean, there's a ref controversy, but I've just accepted. Like Arsenal are not getting anything close. You know, unless it's the most nailed on, obvious call, we're not getting any penalties. And even then we might not get it, you know? Um, so... I don't know. I, I've, I've just, I've, I'm just, I'm, I'm just tired of being angry at the le- at the refs. Um, I think we needed to finish. Um, and then the final thing, my final point is just with the title race, like disappointing as well, always to to lose a game. But if you look what uh, Villa did to City last last or this week, I I was very nervous going into this one. And I think we just need to stay in touching distance, stay close until. You know, the business end of the season, the, the March, April, May portion, and, and that's when we need to kick on, kind of like like City do every year. Um, so, and, and I'm also comforted, like, I, I'm kind of measuring our results for City, and, you know, when, when, when like, T- City just lost this game, so we lost the game, so it's like we're even there. Um, same, with, same with, like, the Tottenham, when uh, we, we tied Tottenham at home, City tied Tottenham at home, so... I think City's matching results has sort of made me think like, you know, it's a long, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, we just got to stay in the conversation until the end and then kick on at the right time. And, and hopefully we can do that. Just to challenge you on one point, I mean, you're, you're referring to Manchester City as the benchmark, rightly so. They're the champions, treble winners, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, though, are top of the pack. And they've won, sorry, they've lost one game now in 29 league games. Uh they are a problem and they're not going away anytime soon. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, Oh, I we lost you. Oh, am I, oh, am I back? Yeah, you're back. You're okay. back. Sorry. Just start that answer on Liverpool again. My I friend. just think it's a, um, can you hear me? Oh, I think we've completely lost you, my man. Uh, never mind. Uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Wait, let me come to that question to you. I mean, look, the title race seems to be uh, hotting up, right? I mean, let's look at the scores today. Crystal Palace were beaten at home in the early kickoff. Uh, Liverpool beat them by two goals to one. Brighton drew with Burnley 1-1. Brighton, of course, come to the Emirates next weekend. United embarrassed at home again, this time by Bournemouth. Could have been four, should have been four. Uh, Sheffield United 1-0 winners over Brentford. Chris Wilder back in the dugout, getting his team three points. Wolves draws to Nottingham Forest and, of course, us losing the late kickoff at Villa Park. The league table, as it stands, Wayne, Liverpool are top, 16 games played, 37 points, 21 goal difference. They've just sort of cranked that up really quietly. Arsenal second, one point behind. Villa third, a point behind us. And then Manchester City, current champions in fourth place, seven points behind Liverpool. Uh, they, of course, have the game in hand, which is tomorrow away at Luton. Um what are your thoughts on the title race, Wayne? I mean, we touched upon Liverpool being a problem earlier. Are Villa in it? Are City too far behind? Are Arsenal gonna 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 come back strong? What, what's your thoughts? Are you asking if an Unai Emery managed team are in a title race? Well, people 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 are talking about it. In fact, Unai spoke about it in the BBC interview, which I'm loath to share. But uh, like you know, they're in the mix. I mean, they're two points off Liverpool, and we're almost halfway through the the the, the season. 
Uncle Unai is the favourite, mate. I don't know what you're... Uh, oh, behave. <laughs> no, Aston Villa are not in the title race. Like, let's be let's be real. They're not in the title race. But they're in it more than Spurs were. And they're having the season that I think a lot of media publications are, are trying to claim that Spurs are having. But anyway, no, it's not, I think Aston Villa will end up having um, a, a finish around sort of the Europa League spots. And Aston Villa are going to win the Europa League because and the, and the Conference League, sorry, because that's what United Emery does. Can you just um, go and support Aston Villa? Yeah, can you just stop talking because you're wanting to be? I support Villa. I support Uncle. I support family. All right. I support Uncle Unai. But anyway, um, as for the title race, look, it, I don't know. I, uh, we had this this conversation on one of the preview spaces and previews in late night lattes. You were quick to dismiss Liverpool at the start of the season. I don't know why. When they've got the amount of attackers that can score ten to fifteen goals that they have. You're going to be in a title race. And when you've got a, a, a coach who is as fantastic as Jurgen Klopp is, you're going to be in a title race. I think at some stage, Manchester City are going to put their foot on the gas. Um, it feels very much like at times last season where we kind of thought that Man City are not going to do it. Man City are not going to do it. And then they ended up winning like 15 games straight. So it wouldn't surprise me if in the new year, once Pep stops sort of tinkering around, has his solid back four and has Kevin De Bruyne back, they go on a stretch of 10 to 15 games games of, of winning back-to-back I think we'll be there or thereabouts I do think Liverpool will fall off just because I think in midfield it's a little bit of an issue for them like they don't have that defensive midfielder and unless they address that in January um, which I don't think they will necessarily have the money to do I think that it will they give up chances they give up a hell of a lot of chances but they on the other side, they create a bunch and score loads. I think they're going to miss Salah a lot in January at African Cup of Nations. And I think I will be, not only for El Neni, I'll be actively supporting Egypt. So that yeah, listen, Salah Mo, Mo Salah needs to just fuck off, man. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> he's so fucking good. It makes me sick. And ah, uh, he just needs to go. Just go. Leave. Leave England. Like, let us win this league, please. Just, just go. Um, now, here you went. I do hear you. Do you know, do you know who we missed today? Uh, obviously, Thierry Henry comes to mind. But no, who we really missed today, Wayne, I think Thomas Party would have made such a big difference at today's game. And it just, it grates me so much that he's missed so much football. And, you know, he I, helped us break the lines. He would have controlled that midfield with, with Deckers. I just... He, you know, no, he would have rushed passes and given up. Oh, the mate, And then he would have got injured in the 39th minute. Yeah, of course, of course. But we really missed him today. Like, I just, uh, he makes everything look so easy and it frustrates the living daylights out of me that we uh, that we have him in the squad, but he's just missing so many games for so many reasons. It's just annoying. Right, Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, I wish I could be welcoming you under more positive circumstances, but it's not meant to be. Arsenal have lost at Villa Park, needless uh, to say. How you feeling, man? Yeah, um, yeah, not, not too bad. Uh, could be better. Would have been better to get three points today, and uh, you know, put that um, put that aside and go back to the top of the table. Just on the what side of the fence are you on, Mike? Are you uh, you know officiating's let us down, or are you actually it just comes down to terrible finishing on another day we win that? Listen, man, um, <clears throat> I thought we had the chances there. Um, I thought we had the chances. I don't think I, I, I don't remember Villa. I don't think they peppered us. I don't think they did. Don't think they put us under the cosh too much. Um, they they got a chance and uh, they took it and they took it well. Um, I think we inflicted it on a, upon ourselves yet again, like we have done in other games. 
um, this season, last season, um, which is frustrating to see. Um, but, you know, like, we should have been better in front of goal today. I, I don't know I don't know what was going on with some of our... I, I, it was almost like we'd... As soon as we got into that final third, it was almost like we, we'd smoked, like, 10 spliffs or something like that. And we were just all over the place. We didn't know what was going on. Um, just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. I, 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 it was any other day we we we, scored, we we put those chances to bed. Um, that didn't happen today. Um, Mike, you can send about the title race because it's fine margins, and you can't afford too many games where you play really well and arguably deserve to win, but don't. And we've got beat today. Oh, not at all. Like this is it's. It's gonna. I think this league. I think this this season is gonna be one of the tightest seasons that we'll see in a long time, um, unless like you know Man City go on an absolute romp, um, or we do, or Liverpool do, or and I think there's three teams that are capable of doing that. I think it's Liverpool, Man City, and us. We could go. We could go and just on like a an insane ten winning game thing, as we know City can do it. And I think Liverpool could do it as well with, with how they're playing. Um, but to play like, to, to not finish those chances tonight, I mean, if, if you're Mikel and you go into that dressing room, um, you've got to be saying, what the fuck are you doing uh, to a few people tonight? Erdegaard should have put two in. Um, you know, Saka got played in a couple of times. Um yeah, we can go on about referee decisions and VAR decisions. I don't agree with, I don't agree with the VAR decisions, but that doesn't shy away from how we, how poor we were in the final third. If that makes sense. It makes absolute sense, Mike. I really appreciate that you've spoken so well. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, Wayne, I don't think I actually came to you about the, your thoughts on the VAR handball. Did I? Uh, had I? Um, and if so, what did you say? Remind me. Um, no, I don't think you did. I think <laughs> the annoying thing for me isn't that VAR have kept the decision because the referee gave it as handball on the field. VAR's never going to overturn that because there's not real evidence that says he doesn't handball it. My issue comes that the referee has given He that. handballs it, Wayne. He, he does. I mean, he, by the letter of the law, but but the ball, has, the ball has... Yeah, but, yeah, but the, the, the letter of the law is in... Uh, about the attacking player, right? So if there is a goal, and in the lead-up to that goal, an attacking player has made contact with the ball, whether intentionally or not, whether marginally or significantly or not, the ball has made contact with their hand, the goal is disallowed. That is fact. Like, yeah, we can we can argue that that rule is stupid, but it is that is what the rule currently is, irrespective of Matty Cash. So the goal should not stand. No, I have and no... I have whether no, it's a penalty before then or whether it's a handball before then, irrelevant. The goal should no, not... I have no, issue, I have no issue with the goal being disallowed. My issue is comes with the fact, let's say he doesn't disallow it, VAR isn't interfering. Like, VAR's not changing that. And my issue is that Matty Cash handballed it first. So if it's a handball for Kai Havertz, I don't mind that being punished. Why is the defensive handball not punished? That one, look, the, the decision to disallow the goal... I, I'm not mad at it. It's, it's frustrating. I'm not mad at it. My frustration with VAR comes with the elbow on Eddie Nketiah towards the, the end of the game. I don't understand how that's not been given as a red card. But the main one, really, for me, is the penalty. 
Gabriel Jesus' kicked. I know you said earlier, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. But it's, it's, he's been kicked. There's no contact with the ball. He's not anywhere near it. And he, Gabriel Jesus may not have been wiped out, but he's been fouled. And anywhere else on the pitch, by any other player on the pitch, it's a free kick. And yeah, I, th- those are my issues. But like I, like I said, I'm not blaming officials or VAR for the fact that we didn't get a result today. We created more than enough chances and should have done better in the final third. Well, before we hear what Archer has to say, a couple of tweets that have just come in. Tim, who is at survivalis underscore Tim, says, at Latte Firm, we just can't keep blaming refs. We should have had a pen, but we should have done something anyway. Looking at how teams have played this season, Liverpool is a team to watch out for, and Anfield is massive. Arsenal 14, who is at no one one two one six zero. Says at Latte FM, I feel like you're playing down the VAR mistake. It's a fine margin game. Villa is not a mid-table team this season. Uh, yeah, lots of people talking about uh, VAR. El Puto Jefe, who is at, uh, I'm sure that's, is that a swear word? Have I just sworn on, on Latte FM? At Berto underscore L underscore Enduzi. Says at Latte FM, finally, the only objective space has landed. Thank you so much, my friend. We try and make this content. Hundreds of you listening. Please do keep following, keep listening, keep engaging. And Tim Bertuna says, we need to relax, Latte Firm. We've played well. I love the boys. Erdegaard and Martinelli need to get it a little tighter. Archer, welcome to the show. What would you like to say? And hello, hello. How, can you guys hear me, Brandon Chance Hall? We, we can hear you loud and clear, my friend. The mic is yours. Fill your boots. Fantastic. And yeah, this game, I feel like... I was more disappointed in our decision-making, especially in the final third. It's, it was a case of... It was a case of football's fine margins really matter, especially in these type of games where the quality of opposition you're coming up against is very high and they're coming off a high in the sense that they have a very good run of games. They've been playing very well. I felt like today we was just not very... Uh, uh, there was a lack of focus when it came to the final details of our game. I felt like we played very well in midfield. We defended well. We got to the edge of the box. It's just the execution of our final action really hurt us today. And on a different game, we win this game comfortably. It's so similar. I feel like this is so similar to the looting game as well, where the difference in the looting game is we made m- more mistakes. But I, I still feel there's a, there was a similar measure of control we had over the game, and we have a, where we had a lot of the chances. In Luton, of course, we're coming up against a lesser quality opposition defensively, so we were able to score four. But in this game, especially in that first half, man, we were absolutely killing them with with our runs in behind. It's just we couldn't stay on side, and once we got into the final decision making, bad finish or bad pass or just difficult things and I might be a bit nitpicky here there's one moment which really annoys me is when I think Kai won the ball in the middle of the park against was it Bubakar Kamara and then Martin Gabby Martin made a very good run if the ball was just almost like in his path in his in in his lane of in basically he was running towards the byline the ball was close more like a vertical towards the byline Martinez would have used the momentum and passed it but the ball was slightly behind him so he kind of like had to adjust his body get back in the position and that allowed Villa to get back these little things matter in football where you make the right pass the right way of the pass towards the right player's foot and then yeah that's just the thing that was off it's just our weight of pass was bad 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Archer. I think our weight of pass was bad on a few occasions. I thought we were wasteful. We were ineffective. I think our finishing was just terrible on the day. Can I come back to you with a question, Archer? Um, I, I want to give you different scenarios. What do you think the solution is? Is it A, just keep doing what we're doing because more often than not, we're going to win games and today was just a one-off like a few corners have suggested. Is it B, we need different personnel, you know, different substitutions or different players starting. Was it the front six today? Or is it C, reinforcements? Uh, people talking earlier about the need of pace or the need of a, of a you know, a top hitman up top. What would you do? And for me, I'm more in the camp of A because the season is far too long. You're going to have games like this. You're not going to have... There's going to be games like this where you play well enough, but on the day, certain things go against you. Maybe some refereeing decisions, you know, not creating enough chances. It happens. There, there are going to be games where we're going to dominate. We're going to be the better team. We're going to create the chances. The other team is going to sit back. They're going to score off one very well-worked counter-attack. So it's a case of if we... Re Football is, is a game of probability. As much as it is a game of tactics, it's a game of, okay, how can we control the margins where... What gives us what puts us in the best position to win football matches, right? But there's still that because football is so unpredictable, there's still that small possibility of things going against you. And today it was just those games where in a in a game in a, in a season of thirty eight games, you may have two or three games like that where you dominate, you do well, but for some God given reason for some for, for some God forsaken reason, the ball's not going in the back of the net for you. And the other team they just get one chance and they score. And, you know, that's just it. Mikel said you can have a thousand shots and miss. And then one team has one shot, they score. You you lose a football match. And it's like that. But also it's just some of these players, they just it's just concentration in their just action. They're probably kicking themselves. They probably look at that like, we should have won that football match. I don't know how they lose it. And this is why I feel that midweek game against PSV may be important because it's a case of, okay, let's get back on the bike and start winning football matches. Because if we would have had to wait until next week, then there's a case of, okay, you, you allow this defeat to kind of like simmer in the mind of the players, which we had last but season. I was, I was, I was going to let you go there, Archer, but I've got to ask you, are you suggesting now then that you would go strong? Uh, I'll go strong I right? wouldn't go completely. I'll, show, I'll go strong Really? Like, I'll go strong enough to... Because at the end of the day, it's a case of <laughs> when you lose football matches, you want to get back on that pitch and play. Because these guys are professionals. They want to play football, right? Of course, you have to do, deal... Do you, not, do you not think they'd want to just get back and play against Brighton? Do you no, not but think Brighton is too far away. That, that's the issue that we had last season where playing one game a week, that game against Liverpool where we drew, where we didn't win, that that created a level of insecurity which kind of bled into the West Ham game. That's why when we went, we were 2-1 up, it was like, oh, crap, is this happening again? And that kind of seeps in. But if we had a game midweek, you can throw away that game against Liverpool in a dustbin because you have to focus on that game in midweek. So... Right, hang, on, hang on a second. Let's bring Wayne into this. Wayne, uh, you've always um, been a fan of just sort of, you know, resting players when, when, when there needs to be a rest. And... But actually, Archer's making a really good point. Um, does a defeat like today manifest in the player's mind ahead of what's a very busy festive period? Are you, are you maybe considering or reconsidering your selection ahead of PSV? 
absolutely not. It's the most meaningless game in our season. And I will be I won't be annoyed because I'm half expecting it, but if we're playing the main guys in that game against PSV for any amount of time, it's just stupid. It's just really, really stupid. What is the point of having a squad if you're not going to use them in games like this? We've not seen Reese Nelson for what properly for like a month. I think the last time he played any sort of consistent minutes was against West Ham. We've not seen Kivior back-to-back games or play 90 minutes for ages. He needs the minutes in his legs, especially over a busy festive period where all of these guys need to be engaged and they need to not be rusty. We need to give the majority of them, Kivior, Jorginho, um, if Emil Smith-Rowe by any chance is back for the PSV game, him, Reese Nelson, Trossard, Eddie Nketiah, um, at the back, I don't really know what we're going to do. But heck, even Aaron Ramsdale, if there's question marks over David Raya, you need to give Darren, Aaron Ramsdale more than 90 minutes against Brentford just because Raya can't play. So we need to make as many changes as possible. And just the thought of anyone else playing. I don't mind them travelling. I don't mind them doing the training. But anything more than five or ten minutes just to keep them ticking over to me is just nonsensical. Archer, what do you want to come back and, and say? The one thing I would say is that, just the first thing, I think it's been proven before, when we make significant changes to the team, we don't tend to perform well. That's why we get knocked out in cup competitions very early, because we make seven or eight changes, which destabilises the whole team. The second thing is that defeats in football, irrespective of the importance of the fixture, matter. Because this is... because you have to be careful of not creating like a snowball effect where you lose one game, you lose another game, and then that kind of like slowly starts to, you know, rot in. It's almost like mould. If you don't get rid of it, maybe a little bit, but if you let it pile up, it starts to, you know, infest the face. So I'm just looking at it from the point of view, okay, make changes, yes, but I need some of those key players to play in that game so they can at least try to get back to some rhythm or some kind of belief. I'm not saying the belief is gone, but it's just a case of it becomes another narrative when you lose it. Then it's like two and two. And then then you kind of like put so much pressure on that game against, you know, what's in it? Bright, is it Brighton or Brentford at home? Brighton, right? Brighton. Yeah, you put a lot of pressure on that Brighton game where like you can kind of like take that pressure off by winning a game in midweek and it kind of like, okay, you know what? We've got a bit of momentum. We can kind of like throw away that defeat and just go into this one like a bit with a bit more confidence. So yeah, so any type of loss, even as minuscule as it may sound, has an effect because like sports at the elite level is is more psychological than actual physical winning games, right? So I don't know, maybe I'm a bit, you know, I... Now, uh, listen, Archer, it's been a great call, man. I really appreciate you coming in and, uh, you know, offering a different insight. Um, is this your first time dialing in? And I've been here a few times, like maybe Have a second you? time, maybe, I don't know. Uh, listen, man, you've got to drop Latte Firm a follow, all right? You know, you've got to keep it engaged, my man. But listen, I really appreciate you joining the post-match phone in, Archer. Really great call. One of my favourite calls of tonight's show, actually. Uh, measured, articulate and challenging back. And Wayne's often wrong about everything. So uh, you keep you keep believing in yourself. Nick, welcome to the show. Uh, how are you feeling, my friend? Um, well, um, evening, guys. Hope you're well. Um, a little bit, a little bit uh, dejected with the result, but you know, just you're a gonna bit. Just, just a little, little bit. I'm no, so because... gutted, mate. I'm yeah, so no, no, gutted. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm obviously, obviously always, always disappointing when we lose a game, but um, 
it, you know, it wasn't the fact that we didn't play well. We did play well. We just didn't take our chances. It was just the small details of like the final pass, or it was the, the over the, judging the passes over the top. I mean, do you, you see that stat that they brought? How many times Aston Villa have caught people offside this season? Yep. Surely they. I mean, we knew that they were playing a high line, and it just the, the timing on the runs. And you know, we talked on this space on Tuesday after we beat Luton, and yourself, Wayne, and Gav said. That could have been a 4-1 or 4-5-1 Arsenal game. Um, and it's kind of similar like this as well, like where we could have, well, we should have really, I mean, we're, we're becoming very wasteful. I mean, you look at the um, Brentford game that we won. Um, if we draw that game or lose that game, everybody goes, what I missed by Jesus or what I missed by Enketia. Um, with the, you know, the Trossard where, you know, the offside and so forth. So you look at all these these clinical misses that were they're not they're not half chances and they I think you see the expected goal rate as well in this game. I think Villa's was like not even one, and ours was like nearly two, um, or was two. I just think like I don't know what it is this season. I mean, I, I, at the start of the season, I thought no, give it time, they'll they'll get into the rhythm, and it, we're just not we're just not clinical enough in the big moments when it matters, uh, because if you look at like the teams that we put to bed. We're still missing loads of chances, but you don't really notice it because the score is quite handsome, so it doesn't really matter how many chances we miss. Um, Nick, let me ask you a couple of questions on this. I mean, look, goal scoring wise, we've scored 33 goals in the league this season. Okay, that's three behind Liverpool, and that's three fewer than Manchester City. So both City and Liverpool scored 36 each. I asked the question uh, a few moments ago to whoever the caller was. My apologies for not remembering. But, you know, what, what's the solution? What do you do? Are you, if you're manager of Arsenal, do you make any change to this team knowing that actually, um, you know, the underlying metrics of today are pretty good and that, you know, if we play this game nine times out of ten, we're going to win it? Or do you make changes to personnel or structure or tactics? Or do you go out to the market in three weeks' time? Um. At the moment, after today's evidence, I just think it was just an off day. So I would still keep the same the same as it was. I'm like yourself, FK. The minute I looked at my missus as well, I, uh, the minute they brought an Eddie and Ketty on, I was like, oh, there's no point now. Let's <laughs> give up now. Like, I just I was like, and I was thinking, uh, FK, not, you know, because I'm on this space quite a lot of times, and I thank you very much for letting me come on. A lot really means a lot. But um, all I can think of was your reaction at home, how you were feeling. Oh, for God's sake, he's coming on. So I was, <laughs> I was pitching. And, and then when it comes to like, because we've got, you know, let's just try and be a little bit, I know we're all down. And we, you know, we'll, if you're not down after a defeat, then you're not, you're not a supporter, if I'm to be honest. And, you know, I looked at the, um, uh, the decisions that didn't go against us. I mean, think about the decisions that didn't go against us before VAR. They gave a handball and gave something off the wrong player in a Chelsea match. So, <laughs> oh, there's been so many of those over the years, mate. I mean, let's, yeah. uh, we, we could take yeah. all night on that. Nick, yeah, exactly. you normally you normally leave us with a question. Do you have one for today? Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, do, if you could, um, I think it's. A, I, I know. I mean, well, for, before I leave you with a question, just to go to add on to the summary of like what you should do in the PSV game, I think that. Um, if this PSV game was in November, I'd be like, yeah, no, give them, give them, let them stretch their legs, let them get back into the rhythm a bit, even though it might be a pointless game. We're in the busiest period of the season. You can't afford to just play players for the sake of playing them because you want to give them an extra run out. You have to, you have to use your squad for this game. Any other time of the year, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if he, 
went a little bit strong, but this particular time of period, you have to make sure you rest your players because you're playing game after game. Um, but my question would be, I know we talk about players uh, that we need to come in. Is it, I mean, if you could name maybe two or three that we could potentially shift in the market to maybe raise some funds, who do you think they would be and why? Oh, that is a great question. I appreciate that, Nick. Thank you so much. Wayne, take that question first. If money is tight and we have to raise funds, who are sellable assets? Two or three players that you wouldn't really want to sell, but, you know, could sell to generate some money. Well, first of all, FK, the, I had a little look on um, Google Translate at El Puto Jefe because you was worried that um, you might have sworn. You didn't swear, but um, his, his name does stand for FK is bald. So you did say that in uh, whatever language it is. I think it's Spanish. So f- thank you for letting us know. <laughs> in terms of sellable assets, I think the first one that comes to mind and the main one which comes to mind is Emil Smith-Rowe. I think who's buying Emil Smith Rowe Wayne? He's never cup. fit. It doesn't matter. Someone will buy him. <laughs> okay. Someone will buy. Him. You kind of you know what these Premier League teams are like. I think some. Yeah, of... I know that we're going to get a loan offer for him, and then he's <laughs> at this point. Embarrassing. I, at this point, I'd probably take that FK if I'm honest with you. Um, <laughs> Emil Smith Rowe would be number one, and I think it's I think it's going to be a hard day when Arsenal fans accept that he needs to go, but he needs to go. I, I don't know why we kept him in the summer. He's not helped us. He's not really played. I don't really know what benefit he, he did have uh, keeping him here. Uh, the second one would probably be Aaron Ramsdale, but I don't see that one happening because I don't think we would rely on bringing in... We'd have to bring in a backup keeper, and I don't think we will do. Um, but Ramsdale and Mill Smith-Rowe. And I Eddie Nketiah would be one for the summer. I don't think he'll be one for January because I think it's too big a hole in the squad. No buying Eddie, mate. Just yeah. give it up. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's too big a hole in the squad to fill in January. It's easier to fill in summer. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably go with Emil Smith-Rowe, Aaron Ramsdale. And John, if you're not going to play him, and if you're not going to trust him to come on later than the bloody 94th minute or whatever it was that he came on today, Reese Nelson would be another one. And I don't understand why we gave him this 100k a week contract. Like, it just, ba- it, every week that goes by, it baffles me more and more because I don't understand. Obviously, we're not at the training ground. We're never going to see that. But I don't understand. From the games that he's played, from the minutes he's had off the bench, and from times where he started, I don't really think he's done much wrong. And in games like today, when you've taken off Martinelli, who was a threat in behind, Reese Nelson just, to me, seemed like the smart option. So I don't know what he has to do to get minutes, but if you're not going to use him, you might as well sell him. Yeah, listen, man. I mean, it's a really difficult one. If if there's if there's no money and we need to sell someone, I think like you, Ramsdale is the obvious one. Look, Newcastle need a goalkeeper. They have money. Um, they might come to us 30, 40, 50 million quid. I mean, we should be asking for a lot more than that. I know that. But... Um, you know what Arsenal like in selling players. I think Ramsdale, I, I, I mentally, I'm not ready to hate Rambo. Like mentally, I'm not ready to see him in, in somebody else's kit. I don't want to see him come to the Emirates playing for someone else. And, you know, while he will always joke, I always clap the opposition keeper, um, uh, even the Spurs keeper before sort of you know, calling them a wanker. Um, I, I, I don't want to do that for Rambo, man. Like I just, I don't want to see him play for anyone else, but he's a sellable asset. 
And if you're thinking about other players in the squad, as much as you want to sell Nelson, Smithrow and Ketia, no one's buying these boys. They're on big wages. We are going to see them stay at Arsenal for a long time. They're going to be loaned out. Um, we might have to subsidise wages for a number of these players. It's just the way it is, mate. You know, they're on big, 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 big contracts at a big club. And why would they want to go? Why would they want to go now that they're signed up in Kushti? Um, so it's a really difficult question to answer. I mean, Mo Oneni's another one. I know you love him, but you know, if anyone's willing to offer us 20 pence and a Twix, I would let him go tomorrow. Um, slim pickings. Really difficult question. Uh, I was going to go to Boogie, but I think Boogie has left us, although he's still listening. Boogie, request the mic. We're going to bring the show to an end onto the home straight. Match of the day is just around the corner. And of course, we do need to laugh at Manchester United. Uh, Ryan Fletcher, welcome to the show. What would you like to say, my friend? Arsenal have been beaten at Villa Park today. Ryan, if you unmute yourself, bottom left button. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, no, I'm just, I'm still kind of getting over what we just went, what we witnessed a few hours ago in terms of. What's your feeling about it, right? I mean, are you are you more upset about the defeat, or is it the underlying sort of performance? Like, where do you, or is it the VAR officiating? What what's what sort of made you so upset? I mean, the, performance wise, I mean, the, after the goal, we were the dominant team. We and it's it always been the case, being that we had just, of all due respect to Villa, we have a superior squad in terms of what we've got and what they've got. They, they, they've got their strengths and they use it to the best abilities, but the goal itself was avoidable from the left-hand side. But I don't get why Zinchenko played today, because or started at least anyway, because we know his weakness. He can't play left-back. And he, where was he? He wasn't at left-back. And that left Gabriel exposed, because Gabriel was having to cover what Zinchenko should be doing, whilst also covering what he should be doing, and what Gabriel should be doing himself. And Zinchenko's just standing in the middle of the box, ball-watching. Raya was no better. He was ball watching. He wasn't no. He wasn't aware of his surroundings. Who was who? Potential threats were from Villa. So the goal itself was avoidable, basically. And but apart from, even after the goal, though, Ryan, that was seven minutes yeah, thirty seconds. Apart on the from clock, that, you say we, we you say we sort of bossed it. I mean, it was, it was wasteful. Yeah, we had, we had, we had, we had procession. We, we 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 should be blaming. Yeah, ourselves, oh, definitely. Sure. In terms of we had especially that first the first half, especially like the rest of that first half, it was. We had possession, got to the final third, and then either wasted the opportunities or got scared, so we say, being PC here, like very PG, sorry, PG, got scared and went backwards and started again. And that was frustrating. In the second half, I mean, yeah, we sort of had a penalty because and consistency in this, going back, we're going back to the officials, officials in the set, but the consistency in the officials is woeful. But we had chances in the second half. We stepped up a bit. We stepped up again in the second half. But again, we were wasteful. But then, as I say, we sort of, we sort of had a penalty. Considering there was a penalty given against a penalty given for Palace, which is softer than what Jesus got kicked. Jesus has fouled basically. Uh, Saka scored again. I'm watching it at home, and they showed us no evidence that he'd been checked. That was a really quick call, wasn't it? I mean, it's it like old, to be honest, right? if, if I if I take my yeah, bias, like, off, sorry, I take my sort of rose tinted glasses yeah. off, it did look 
offside. But, you know, the lines weren't drawn and they, they didn't even sort of give us the benefit of, of at least sort of rubbing it down our throats to say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is no offside. Con- like, there's no concrete bang. We've looked at it. Here's the lines to prove that we're not being dodgy. This It was like old school, mm. like before VAR, where it was, the flag went up, the flag went up, that was it. It's like it up by a cup. But we, <laughs> we had to tech. And it was just like, usually, nine times out of ten, that's always shown to us, just to, just for the view, for the view its own to know 100%, we are being 100% honest with you. Here's the lines as well. Bang, bosh, we move on. I didn't see that. And I'm just like, hmm, okay. Where does it leave us, right? In terms of the uh, sort of title charge, sure. we're 16 games in now, second in the table to Liverpool, not Manchester yeah. City. Uh, how do you think How do you think we're going to fare for the rest of the season? Uh, Anfield's going to be the turning point. I think we're. I think we're. I still think we'll go deep in this title charge. I've said for a while now. I don't think of a goalkeeper like Raya making the mistakes that he's making at the moment. Like consistent over the course of the three months, he's been number one. Him making mistakes, the team can't keep digging them out. I know. I know. He, over the, this game in particular, he wasn't down to him solely, but I'm just saying in, as a whole, we the team, the team can't do it. And with a goalkeeper like. This isn't. Uh, we get an upgrade, upgrade, or put Ramsdale back in. I don't see us winning the league this season at the moment. That's that's at the moment. And I'm, it's probably more so because of the back of this defeat. I'm feeling it, but I think the real turning point for where this team is and how far this team can go this season in a tight race or win a trophy in general is going to be at Anfield on the 23rd. I think that is a very, very big test for the Arsenal. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate that. Before we wrap up the show and go to our final caller, who will be Gunner King, just a couple of tweets that have come in. Adam Peachy, who is at Adam P. Peachy, says, at Latte Firm, worry is relying too much on the starting eleven and not having enough big players that can come off the bench to change the game. I think that's a really good point, Ad. I don't think Trossard was the right sub today for Martinelli, and we've already talked about Inketia. Uh, Lego Head, fraud apologies, comes back after his excellent call earlier saying at Latte Firm, the three way title race means it's a competition, and we just have to stay in touching distance. Um, I think you're absolutely right. El Puto Jefe has come back in and says if Sacco Erdegaard scored twice, sorry, if Sacco Erdegaard twice converted their chances, this would be a very different story. We were robbed. But we cannot be doing this as Arsenal fans. Let's rest now. The Luton game had more horrendous calls, but no one spoke about it because we won. It's us versus them. Let's just score and rise. I love that. I do love that. Stevie Cotton in the chat as well. At Cotton underscore Steve says at Latte Firm, we need another winger. Arteta clearly doesn't trust Nelson. We need backup for Saka. How long we've been talking about that. Gunner King, my man, welcome to the show. See us out. What are your thoughts on today's defeat? Uh, first of all, how are you doing and what's your sort of raw reaction? Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, um, I think my reaction to today's game, um, I think was summarised quite well by what, what you just said a minute ago. I think we as a fan base are going to be looking at the decisions that didn't go our way. And I, I think to only look at that at the surface level is not good enough. Like, the reality is we can control what we can control. You know, like we, you know, we, we need to focus on what we can control. We can't control what refs do. We can control the chances Odegaard missed, uh, chances that Saka missed. We can control the fact that that has kind of been an ongoing and continuing kind of theme um, and hallmark um, for some time of our attacking play. 
um that it, it has verve it has purpose um you know we we are good we are a good team going forward but we're not clinical enough we're not clinical enough in the final third and today that cost us um what would you need know, to change that, Gunner King? I've put this to other callers, and I noticed you, you might, might have just joined us just, just in the last few minutes. But, you know, do you, if you're manager, keep things the way they are and just, you know, hope that actually nine times out of ten we win this game? Or do you make changes to personnel, starting lineup, or tactics? Or do you just go to the market and, and bring in that, that sort of talisman up front? I mean, I would look at all of these areas, but I, I think the the striker um, situation at the moment... Um, for me, look, I love Nikea. He's a Helen boy. You know, I, you know I, I do think, like, his contributions can be overlooked sometimes. But is he going, is he a player that I think, you know, when, when, you're, in the, when you're in the trenches, that is going to help you win the league? You know, like, when you look at City, who we're competing against, you, you have Haaland, you have Alvarez as an alternative. Alvarez is the sort of player that could probably walk into any team in the world. You know, like, that's the standard, you know, like, and I think that's what we're up against. I, look, and as much as I love Nikea, and I don't want to make this a Nikea crashing session, I don't want to, you know, crash on Trossard or, you know, and or even Gabriel Jesus, they all have good qualities, but we we need more. We need more there. Like, I, I think, you know, we need to address that in the market. Um you know, you know, when when you look at other teams, even Tottenham, you know, they they've got rid of Kane, they still got Son. You know, these guys have been putting up freakish numbers for a long time now. You know, as much as much as I hate to say it, you know, and I I do I do feel that our front line. I like the fact that the responsibility to share goals is spread amongst them, but when you're so reliant on Saka playing game in game out, you're not trusting Nelson as the alternative. That to me says two things: like we we need more competition and more quality um, in Saka's position, and we we need, in my opinion, not just a striker that can get you twenty goals. I'm not looking at it like that. I'm looking at it from a different perspective: a striker that can give you something different to what Jesus and Nketiah and Trossard do. You know, I think, you know, I think Nketiah is a great finisher. I think Hezus' approach play and how he helps out other players around him is very good, but he's not quite as clinical. Um, I think his pressing is very good. Um, you know, I, we need to find someone who kind of brings the best of their two qualities together um, that that can really kind of enhance our play going forward. A bit more physical presence, which I think is needed in this league. And... I'm hearing that that might not get addressed until the summer. Uh, I, I think it will be criminal to not look at a striker in January. Um, absolutely criminal. Like, especially if we're in this sort of position, you know, come the January window when it opens, whether we're top, you know, whether we're one or two, or two points behind, to be in that position and not not do this, you know, not get a striker, I think would be criminal. Because if it comes back to haunt us in May, um, we we don't win the league, then we've only got ourselves to blame. But it's so um, difficult, Gunner King. You know what it's like. The January market, it's not known for you know for for, for ripe fruit. Um, I, I mean, do you have any names that that you'd like to see Arsenal go for? The four the four names that are on my shortlist that I like are Sesko, uh, Tony, Osimhen, and uh, Vlahovic. You know, like I think they're the ones 
that are being looked at. And look, I'll be honest, um, <laughs> they're all good. Yeah, just just bring me one of them. That's all I'm asking. You know, like just bring me one of those four players. Um, you know, because I, I think they they definitely, you know, make our attacking line better. Um, obviously, Osman would would be amazing. It costs a lot of money. Um, might be difficult to get Napoli to part ways within the middle of the season. It's going to be difficult to convince any of these clubs, um, you know, to to part with their their talisman strikers in the middle of the season. But look, you throw enough money at that problem, it goes away. And that's just the reality of the situation. That's the world we live in. Arsenal are a big club. We make enough money. Um, you know, we we offset a lot of what we spent this summer um, with with sales. I think about seventy to eighty million. I think we made made back from sales. And there are other fringe players that I think we could probably look at selling in January to facilitate the move for any of these players as well. And I just think we have to do it. We have to do it. You know, like because it's not even just Jesus maybe not being as clinical as we need him to be. Um, his injury record. So far, hasn't been hasn't infused me with with trust either, and I think when you're banking on both of those issues not coming back to 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 haunt you in the back end of the season, I just I don't feel comfortable doing that. If I'm being honest, I hear you, man. If we listen, if we ever anywhere near a hundred million, I'd love to see us go and lay it down at Brighton's door for Evan Ferguson. But listen, Gunner King, um, the title, uh, where's it going this season? Um, look, I. I personally, I think it's between Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, wow! Wow! Yeah, I don't know. I just think with with City, I I just think four in a row is just it's not been done before for a reason. You know, like I just I can't see it happening. I don't want to see it happening to be honest. I am much rather it was one of those two teams. Um, I'm not saying City can't win the league, but I just think from what I've seen of Arsenal. And Liverpool, I think Arsenal have looked really strong defensively, very difficult to break down. Um, I think Liverpool going forward look really good. I, I just think City have looked gettable at the back. And um, they're missing Kevin De Bruyne, definitely. I, I, we know he's coming back. But I don't know. I just, I just think, yeah, it's between Arsenal and Liverpool this season. Really appreciate that. Listen, Gunner King, look after yourself, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us on tonight's post-match phone-in. There we have it, ladies and gents, boys and girls. We've been going for just an hour and a half. If you've just joined us, if you're listening for the first time, please do follow Latte Firm, the only place you can get these post-match phone-ins. If you've just joined us and you've uh, tuned in late and you want to hear the rest of the show, you can find us on Apple and Spotify and your favourite sort of uh, podcast outlet. We will be back tomorrow on the YouTube channel with a late night latte reflecting on the weekend and and already out is an eight minute, nine minute quick reaction video just on the whistle from earlier today. Wayne, my co-host, who can be found on at Wayne's World 20 underscore. Any closing thoughts, my friend? Uh, It's going to be, you know, doom and despair for Arsenal fans. I mean, defeat's going to be a real blow because we're chasing a title. It is Uncle Unai. It's Villa away, blah, 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 blah. We did create lots of chances. It was a boisterous Villa Park. Saka's goal disallowed. Martinelli racing through and having an well, a chip sort of cleared near off the line. Erdegaard should have scored maybe twice from 10, 10 yards out, either side of the break. The penalty decision, the handball, Kai Havertz. I mean, so much to actually dissect today. But leave us with some closing thoughts, Wayne. 
Yeah, another great call. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. Thank you, everyone that hit the request. FK, thank you for showing up 45 minutes late. I hope the domestics are all sorted out in the morning and um, there's no frosty breakfast between between the family. But um, no, I'm already looking forward to the PSV game. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some of the youngsters, seeing some of the, I guess, quote-unquote reserves. And um, we've won that group. Let's move on to the next stage of the Champions League and then on to Brighton, which I think... Every, every Arsenal fan is aware, there are bogey sides, especially at the Emirates. Um, if you want to get over a defeat to Uncle Unai, if you want to get over a loss to Aston Villa and you want to talk about title challenges, go out and get rid of that bogey side against Brighton, who I don't think have been fantastic this year, especially by some of the standards that they've set in previous seasons. Uh, this will be the right time to to right that wrong and and get three points back that we didn't win last season. And then it's all all eyes on Anfield. So uh, fingers crossed we're in a healthy spot in terms of the squad and um, maybe have one or two two injured players back. Who knows? But yeah, I'm looking forward to midweek. And yeah, it's a disappointment today, but I still think we played more than well enough to, to, to get the result. And on other days, we would do. It was just one of those days today, unfortunately. Indeed. And listen, however bad it gets, ladies and gents, boys and girls, it could be a lot worse. Bye for now. Premier League. Manchester United. <laughs>